The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. So I don't think it's pretty hard for us to realize that our culture for the least last 40, 50 years has been consumed with superheroes, right? Like there are so many different books, magazines, TV shows, like they're everywhere. And it feels like they're coming out more and more and more each and every day. And as someone who grew up in this era, it's definitely caused me to want to ask, if I had a superpower, what would it be? Anyone else have ever asked that question? I got a laugh, so I'm going to say one people said yes, and everyone was too cold to raise their hand. So thank you, Dustin. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there are different seasons of life. I have wanted more, one superpower more than ever. Maybe it's invisibility so that you can sneak into someone's conversation and be like, so what's going on, right? Or maybe it's being able to fly because that would just be cool. Uh, but as I think about it today, if I could have one of those abilities, it'd probably be between two things. It would be the ability to go back in time or the ability to see into the future. Now, I know on the surface level, those two things seem very different, right? They, they have one about going backwards and one is to look forwards, but at the core, they're exactly the same thing. It's about looking at a circumstance with the hopes and ability to change the outcome. Right? It's, it's be able to say, ooh, that didn't go the way that I hoped. Maybe we can fix it. Or it's looking to the future and saying, I don't want that outcome to take place, so let's try to fix it. I have a strong guess that the people that we're about to read today wish they had one of those two gifts. Because what took place in their life has had many people for thousands of years scratch their head and go, how did it happen to end this way? No one expected that. And my, my, my guess is they themselves wouldn't have wanted that either. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Acts chapter 15. And before we get into the text that we're gonna be reading today, I wanna kind of set a pretty lengthy foundation so we can see the magnitude of this. We're about to read about these two key leaders in the church, one named Barnabas and one named Paul. And they have been pretty good friends since the moment Paul became a Christian. And, and because of this friendship, they have gone out on missionary journeys together and done some incredible things, things that many people today go, wow, I wish I could do things like this team has been able to accomplish. And in this journey of going out to different places and planting churches, they continued to see one, one of many major questions come about. And that question that was really needing to be answered is, what does it mean to be a full member of the body of Christ? What does it mean to be a part of this family? Now, it wasn't just them who had that question, the other apostles and disciples who were going out and sharing the good news of Jesus were coming in conflict with that question. What does it mean? What does it mean? And what does it mean? So much so that they eventually decided it's time for us to get together, to come and answer the question, 
What does it mean to be a part of the full body of, of Christ? And we actually see this take place right before the text we're gonna read. Now, the topic that they are trying to address here is this topic of circumcision, which instantly makes us all extremely uncomfortable, especially the men in the room. But in our day and age, this information, if you knew this information about someone, that would be very culturally wrong, right? Like no one's going around exposing themselves to each other. Like that is not right and not appropriate. But in that day and age, people would often go to bathhouses. And so people would see you in your birthday suit all the time. And this mark would automatically identify you with your belief system with where you stood, whether you looked it or not. And so maybe the way to think about it today is when we see someone in America with a head covering on, we instantly associate them with something, right? A religious view. And so these individuals are asking, do they have to do this now or not? Do they still need this mark? And so they gather together the elders and apostles come together to pray, to read God's word, and then ultimately come to a conclusion in which they believe the Holy Spirit is leading. And then in verse 28, we see that their conclusion was this. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on no greater burden than these requirements. And so they come to this agreement that a person doesn't need the mark of circumcision to be a part of the family. It's just because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's it. That's enough. Their synopsis of what Jesus did was, you don't have to work for your salvation. It is a free gift given to you who believe. And that is amazing and so important and so radically different than what they had just spent thousands of years believing. For thousands of years, they assumed you had to work, but because of Jesus, that changed. And so after all of this, they chose two people, this church, the elders, the, the church leaders, the pastors chose Paul and Barnabas to go share this beautiful, amazing, powerful news that Jesus' salvation is a free gift to all. And that's where we're picking up the text today. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts 15, uh, starting at verse 30. And so this is what it says. So when they went off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas were um, uh, themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they went off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many uh, uh, others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit with the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it would best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. 
and these arose a sharp, this arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. All right, so this, this passage starts off with these two powerful leaders doing something truly amazing. They're going to the church where this issue of what does it mean to be a part of the body of, of Christ has become a hot topic. And so they're going into this church and explaining the good news that had just taken place. That, and, and when the church heard it, as we read, that they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And then in verse 32, it says that Judas and Silas were amongst themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthening the brother with many words. And so right here, we see that not only did these two men go and give this word to them, that God actually threw this, these two men affirm what had just taken place in this council. A prophet is a person who speaks on the behalf of the Lord. For us, many of us think it's like someone who looks into like a ball and is like, ooh, or like reads your palm and is like telling you things, but that's not the biblical version of a prophet. A prophet is someone who spent time with God, heard what was being said to them, and then shared that information to the community at large. His message was mainly for that time, but it also had implications for later. Does that make sense? And so God has these two men come to this church and say, look, you've been in turmoil. You've been going through this hardship of what is and what isn't. This is what I want you to know. Salvation is a free gift to you. And then he affirms that with these two men. And we can give celebration to that today that we don't have to earn God's favor. I think too many of us assume that's what we have to do. We have to do a song or a dance or you know, do X amount of things to be in right standing with Jesus. But it's not true. It's because of what he did and what he did on the cross that makes us in right standing and we can give him praise for that. And so after they spent some time hearing this amazing truth, this beautiful and powerful truth, the, Paul, or, uh, Judas and Silas leave and Paul and Barnabas stay. Why? To continue to help develop this church, to get them to, to do the things that need to take place, to make sure that they are, are preaching the truth. They're, they're standing together in unity here. And after some time, after they've seen this work take place, they wanna move on, continue their journey. And, and that's kind of where things take the turn. The place where many people have scratched their heads and say, I just don't get it. So let's, let's dive into this. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit with the brothers or uh, visit the brothers in every city where we have proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. So after some time, Paul goes, okay, I think our work here is done. Let's move on. Let's, let's start this journey. And Barnabas agrees with that. He says, yes, that's a great idea. We should do this. I mean, think about it this way. If you were telling a friend that, hey, we want to go on this vacation and they're like, we should go to Mexico. 
you don't think to yourself, they don't want to do this, right? They clearly have the same understanding or same desire as you, but maybe you wanted to go to Palm Springs instead, right? They both recognize that you wanted vacation, just the destination or the where you're going looked different. See, Paul, Barnabas was fully on board with going to these other churches and sharing this, this letter that they had and, and explaining the truth that Jesus truly does save and there's not works that need to be done. But they couldn't see eye to eye on how that was going to take place. Because look at what Paul said, but Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been condemned by the brothers, uh, commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. It's in that moment, right? Where they probably wish they had that superpower that we talked about. This ability to look ahead enough to see this is what, what the outcome was gonna be or to be able to go back in time and change it. Because I can't imagine these two men who had spent so much time together wanted this outcome. And for many people who read this text, they instantly want to choose someone who was right and someone who was wrong. For thousands of years, people have argued which one of these people was the right and which one of these people was the wrong. And we have to be careful of this because Luke doesn't actually tell us that. See, uh, many people have thought this is the case because of what was said in that last verse I read. But because, just because something wasn't stated in the Bible, we can't assume that it, like, so we can't assume that Barnabas wasn't actually given the blessing just like Paul. It's not in here, but just because it isn't here doesn't mean it didn't happen. And Luke is careful not to point a person, point in the direction saying this one's person's right and this one's person's wrong. And for us, that's hard, right? Because you and me, we want black and white, right? I don't know a single person who doesn't want, tell me the truth and tell me the, the not in truth. Who doesn't want to go, I need to do this and don't do this. We all want that. But in this case, it's not black and white. Because I actually believe full-heartedly that both men in this story were right. But in their rightness, they made a mistake. I'll say that again, both of these men were right, but in their rightness, they made a mistake. So let's try to unpack this instead of just pointing a finger. Let's try to unpack what's being stated here. So let's first, and to do that, we also need to understand a little bit about each one of these characters, each one of these individuals. So let's first look at Paul. Who is Paul? Paul is known for his great missionary work. He was the person who was willing to go to the extraordinary to share the truth of Jesus. He was, getting, he was willing to get into situations and places that many of us would never want to get to. He actually tells us, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, some of the things he endured on his missionary work. Right? He talked about being shipwrecked three times. At one point, he was talked about literally having to stay on a piece of wood in the sea for a couple of days. He was beaten with rods to the point of death. He was st 
stoned. Like this man was not afraid of going the extra mile for the gospel. And so if this man is someone who is truly seeing that I have been called to do hard things, he is saying, I don't want to bring someone to the team that I can't trust. Now let's be clear. He gave John an opportunity beforehand. Now, at one point, we read that he was a part of this missionary journey, but in that process, some reason, we don't actually know the great detail of why. It just tells us in Acts 13, 13, that John decided to leave to go to Jerusalem. He doesn't tell us the why. He just, he left. And so, so my interpretation of what Paul is saying here is, look, dude, I've got a hard task to do. I don't wanna be so worried about who's on my team that they're not gonna show up when I need them to. They're just gonna abandon me when I need them the most. Now, as a youth pastor for, involved in youth ministry for over 12 plus years, I understand what he's trying to get at here. I mean, a great example of this is like, every summer and winter, we take people to camp. Right? We, we, we have taken tons of people to camp and we invite leaders to join us on that journey. And, and we prayerfully prepare them for the task at hand. Because when we go to camp, our desire isn't to help grow them or develop them as a leader. Our desire is to focus on the students so that they can then be prepared to hear the truth of Christ. They can hear the gospel story. And so there have been times when I have gone to camp with leaders that because of events that have happened at camp, when the next camp comes around, I say, hey, not yet. I'm not questioning if they love Jesus. I'm not questioning if they are part of this ministry team. I want them still involved. But when it comes to the mission I am doing, I'm just not ready. They're not ready for it yet. Doesn't mean that they won't be, just not yet. All right, so, so what is Paul saying here? He's saying, look, I need a leader I can trust. But now let's look at Barnabas. So who is Barnabas? Well, it's actually his nickname. Barnabas is, real name is, is Joseph. And we find out that it's the apostles who actually give him this nickname. And it's around Acts chapter four. And, and Barnabas literally means the son of encouragement. It's a beautiful name. If I ever had a nickname, right? Like that'd be probably one you would want. That someone that you just can constantly can see the best in a person. That when you live your life, you're constantly giving someone praise and adoration. Like this is who Barnabas is, that his community saw him and said, you know what? We don't wanna call you Joseph because that doesn't define you well. We wanna call you Barnabas because that's who you are. And so what does Barnabas do? Barnabas is a person who can see things in people that maybe they themselves can't see yet, or he's also seeing, being able to elevate someone into a place that they're not, haven't shown yet. And what's super interesting or rather important about this is that Barnabas is the only reason Paul has a voice in the church. See, because Barnabas was the one who brought Paul into that first church and said, I know what happened to him on the road. And I watched what he did in this community. He is a Christ follower. He is fully on board. We need to trust him. We need to bring him on board. 
a few uh, weeks ago, maybe almost a month ago, I talked about when we actually talked about that story, I shared honestly about the, my need for a Barnabas. And I needed someone to come alongside me, even though they saw my mess and my mistakes and say, I see what God is doing in you. And so I'm gonna stick my neck out for you, right? And so what is Barnabas? So what's Ricky's translation of what's John is, or uh, what Barnabas is saying? It's simply this, look, dude, I know he's made a mistake, but give him a second chance because what I see in him is clearly something God is doing. So there's a need for a strong leader and the need to give mercy and grace. Both sides are right. And, and the truth is we've probably been in situations like this ourselves, right? Like maybe you've been at your job and you have a big project that needs to take place. And so you are on a team together and you start talking through the details of what this project is gonna look like. And one of your coworkers says, I wanna do it this way. And you say, I wanna do it this way. Like both are good answers, just going about it in very different directions. Or maybe you're, this happens to you when you're a parent and you're talking about how to raise your kid and, or maybe what's, what you are hoping to take place in your kid's life. And one parent sees it this way and the other person sees it that way. And so you're stuck at a pass. The question then becomes, what should you do? And what shouldn't you do? And that's what we're gonna spend a lot of the time talking about now, is what you should and what you shouldn't do. So let's talk, start with what you should do. And, and, and I think the reason why Luke has made these stories so congruent, right? Because this is time that's passed. Like he could easily put other stories here because he wants us to look quickly back to what the council had, did, had done. What did exactly did the council do when they had a task or when they had a question that needed to be answered that people saw different opinions on it? Lord, the God of rain, the control of rain, stop it. <laughs> Let's not get anyone wet here. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so what do they do? So what's the first thing they do? It says that when they had this big question come to pass, that they decided to gather the elders together, the church leaders to come together to meet. So when we are at an interpass, when we can't find eye to eye with someone, when we both have two situations or both are right in how we need to solve the problem, the first thing we need to do is to bring other believers in mind to come help us talk through this. And I also wanna make sure that we're also bringing people that don't have a dog in the fight. You know what I'm talking about? Like, most people, when it comes to this type of, uh, these type of conversations, they like go bring like mom who's partially gonna bend towards their point of view, right? And so we want to bring wise counsel into this that are God-fearing, who are our peers and also people who are wiser, right? So when we're at an interpass with someone, we need to start with wise counsel. The second thing that we need to do is take time to pray. A lot of people use prayer as the fire extinguisher on the wall in case of emergency. And I know this is definitely one of those times when you want a case of emergency, like get it off the wall and start hosing down because we're out of interpass. But prayer shouldn't be something that happens only when times are hard. 
because when times are hard and we need to know what God is trying to talk to us and to communicate to us, we should want to, we should already know how he speaks and how he communicates. And so if we're not already taking time to pray and to spend time with him in those hard moments, how are we going to know what he is trying to say? So we need wise counsel. We need prayer. The third thing that we see these people do right above here is that they then go to scripture and look for God to give an answer. And in that time, they're studying the words and we see in the text above that they end up going to prophets of past to see this was God's promise all along that he wanted to bring a multi-ethnical family together in unity. That's what he wanted. That's what he longed for and that he didn't want them to work for it. It was something that was a free gift to him. And then lastly, they come and ultimately to, maybe, not, maybe a compromise isn't the right word, but they, they say this in verse 28, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us, right? So through this eldership, through this wise counsel, through prayer, through scripture, they were able to come together to this conclusion. And so when we are in difficult seasons of life, when there are two people that have, sim- that have good answers, that could benefit the area that we are walking towards, this is what we should do when we can't come together. We should hopefully take time to come to the middle ground and come to a conclusion post that conversation and say, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit that this is what should take place. Now, this doesn't always mean that you're still going to be together. I think oftentimes we don't understand that division is not a bad thing. Now, before I go into any further into what I'm going to about to say, I want to be very clear about something. I'm not talking about uh, covenantal relationships. When I talk about division and that we're about to get into the details of that, I'm talking about friendships, jobs, even sometimes family member. But if you're in a marriage and it's hard, come talk to one of the pastors, whether that's me, Tyler, Anthony, uh, Caleb, we want to be supportive in you. So I hope you understand that this is not what I'm talking about when I talk about division, all right? But division is not a bad thing. I'm a firm believer that there are three types of people in our lives. And these three types of people are important to know. There are people in our lives for moments, for seasons, and for lifetimes. And understanding someone's expiration date matters. Like you and I are really good at understanding that we shouldn't eat expired food because of what happens to our body when we do it, right? We, we start to get sick. We start to not just not feel good. It's just a mess. So the question then becomes is why don't we view that same understanding when it comes to people in our world or in our life? There are people in our lives that have expiration dates. And if they don't, and it, what happens, or rather this, if we allow someone to extend past their, their expiration date, what tends to happen? You tend to be sick, right? You're constantly on edge. You're stressed out. You're overwhelmed. You're showing all the signs of what takes place when you allowed something to go past the expiration date. 
So the question goes, how do I know when someone is <laughs> a mo- someone who's supposed to be my life for a moment, a season, or a lifetime? Well, it's to go back to what the council did is to take time to pray, to invite other people into the conversation, to study God's word, and come to realize. Because division is not a bad thing. Not always. And then it gets us to that last part. What we shouldn't do. And so let's read what it said in verse 33. And after they had spent, uh, no, no, that's not there. I was wrong. 39. And, and there arose a sharp disagreement. So they, they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. So I don't know how many of you understand this or know this, but Luke, the author of this book, was also a doctor. And he often would use medical terms in his writings to help give us a little bit more clarity to what was being spoken of in those moments. And this is one of those times when he chose to use a, a medical term to describe this debate or this, he, the, this, this situation. And the word that he chose to use, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce. Uh, my dyslexia is just, <laughs> doesn't even give me a shot, but I can tell you what it means. The word that he used was a, the term that talked about when there was a sudden heart attack that, de- that caused death or when a disease fully consumed the body. That's what this word was. And he says that, that they got to a place in such heated debate that it literally severed or rather killed the relationship. And when we come into disagreements with someone other, that's what we don't want to happen. All right, when, when it comes to a, a past, when both people are right, but we can't come to the conclusion, we hope that we can find compromise. We hope that we can separate, if we need to separate peacefully, what we never want to happen is there to be death in the relationship. We don't want that. But that's what takes place here. And I can only imagine how difficult it would have been when these two individuals go their separate ways and the people they interacted with started asking the questions. So where's, where's Paul? Isn't he normally with you? That would have been a little awkward, right? Or where's Barnabas? Man, I really could use some of his encouragement right now. Oh, I'm sorry. We had a fallout. And if the story ended here, it would have been so sad. If the story ended in that exact moment, it would be heartbreaking, honestly. But it doesn't. The story actually doesn't end there. Because what we see in verse um, 41 is that he, Paul, went from Caesarea, uh, from Caesarea and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. And to me, this last verse shows the gospel in action. It shows the beauty of the gospel in action that despite someone's mess, God can still prevail. I love how it says it in James that it says that God can take all things that were evil and turn it to good. And we actually see this take place here. All right, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came 
even though he saw our mess, our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, and didn't say to us, get it together. You made a mistake, you failed, so I'm not coming anymore. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that I see your mistakes, I see your failure, and I'm still gonna come. And I'm gonna come and do what you need, even though you don't deserve it. Now the gospel in action is when that grace and that mercy is then poured out onto the people who make mistakes and says, despite your shortcomings, despite your failures, I'm still going to be the hero of the story. See, we as men and women, as individuals, cannot be the hero of our story because we will always make mistakes. There's only one hero who's ever existed. That hero is Jesus. So what does he do with this story? Jesus took a superpower team of missionaries who were doing one mission together and, and because of this caused two great missionary movements, powerful missionary movements, one with Paul and one with Barnabas, some things that were truly amazing, truly spectacular. And because of their work, more people were touched than ever than were before. And John, he didn't, he stepped up to the plate and actually became the man that Barnabas saw him to be. We actually see that later on in scripture that Paul actually cries out to the, the church in uh, Colossians to actually accept him in. He goes like, you want Barnabas, you want, I mean, sorry, you want John, bring him in. And then later in 2 Timothy, we read that Paul is actually encouraging Timothy to find John, to bring him because he needs him. So we see that God takes what was broken and redeems the story. But it's not always easy for us to see that in the process. Right? I don't know if they saw that as this was taking out and taking place. And that's when we need to learn to trust, to relax, to get out of the way and let God do what he's going to do despite us and our mess. These two key leaders powerful leaders in the church needed a hero just like you and I do. And that when we put too much trust into a person on earth and when they make a mistake, it's easy for us to feel broken hearted about that because we've looked for them to be the hero and not for the person that's motivating them or moving them to be the hero. So the question I wanna ask as we kind of wrap up is this, is who's the hero to your mess? Who's honestly the hero to your mess right now? Is it Jesus who came to give us this free gift of salvation or is it a friend, a job, a government system? Where are you looking towards to be the savior in the mess that you are in?
And will you look towards Jesus to be that savior? So a moment, if you don't know who Jesus is, I'm gonna give you that opportunity, whether that's online or here in, on the courtyard. Um, and since it's starting to rain, I'm just gonna pray. <laughs> and so if you wanna make that decision today, just pray these words with me. So why don't you bow your heads. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you first and foremost to say thank you for this gift. That despite our mess, despite our shortcomings, you have come into our world to show up and show off. And so Lord, if I have looked for a place in my life that is not you to be my hero, will you forgive me? Will you help me not look toward that anymore and look towards you? And as we just heard, as the council affirmed that if you prayed those words today, Jesus says you are forgiven. There's no more work. Make him your Lord. And so God, we give you thanks for this, that you are the God who makes our messes whole. You are the redeemer. Thank you for being our hero. In your name we pray, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, uh, come talk to me after service. If you're online, press the prayer button and someone will reach out to you because this is a decision that you do on your own. This is something you do with the community at large. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.